0: Hello everyone, I'm Brenda Marcello. This is the Auburn Undercover Roundtable. I'm joined by Philip Marshall, Keith Niebuhr, and Ronnie Sanders. As always, it's Iron Bowl week, fellas. Uh, Auburn a massive underdog, 24-point underdogs at Alabama. The, the largest point margin since 2012. We know how that game turned out. This game seems to, to be a little bit different. Obviously, Auburn's a big underdog, but you don't get the sense this will be a... 2012 type game, do you, Philip?
1: No, definitely not. That that team had checked out. Uh, uh, had, had already been beaten 63 to 21 by Texas A and and 38 to nothing by Georgia. When I've never seen a team try harder not to score than Georgia in the second half of that game. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I just. It doesn't seem to me that, that it's in this team's DNA just to say to heck with it. We're we're, go, we're not going to play. I I don't see that. I think they'll play hard, and I. And I think it is to as it was discussed some Tuesday. I think it is to their benefit that the last time they played that team, they won, and uh, and that's just natural that that gives you confidence that hey, we can play with them. So no, I think Auburn will play very hard. I don't think I think it would take a uh, a strange turn of events for them to have a chance to win. And they could play very hard and still get beat badly, as uh, as Alabama has beaten everybody badly.
0: Yeah, I think the stats sad stat is is that uh, Alabama has only lost three games at home since the uh, Camback uh, game back in 2010, and one of those games was you know obviously against Ole Miss and Ole Miss at the time. I think they what they forced like five turnovers in that game. Yeah, something crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's kind of what you need. And they had, had a bizarre.
1: They mean. had a like a tipped pass that yes. became a big play touchdown or something too, as I recall. Uh. Uh. Yeah, I, I think for Auburn to have a chance to win it would take some things like that to happen. I mean, you know, if you turn the ball over four or five times, I don't care who you are, you're putting yourself in hard way. But but they shown no they've shown no tendency to do that.
0: You know, some people like to make the uh the argument, "Hey, it's a rivalry game. You never know uh, what to expect." But in this series, you pretty much kind of know what to expect when a team is a big under, uh underdog or, or a favorite.
1: Yeah, there's been very few times. Uh, I mean, the underdog has won, but it's usually been an underdog like Auburn in 2013, for instance, when Auburn was a very good team, obviously. And uh, but in a in a game like this, uh, it's Auburn was a I think it's, I want to say a 16 point underdog in 1972 and won, but that Auburn team had lost one game. Uh, they tell me Auburn was a big underdog in 1949, but Believe it or not, I was not in the game. So, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that, that, that's that's definitely the biggest upset in the history of the of, of the the modern history of the series, which started back in 1948. But most of the time, most of the time, really a huge majority of the time, uh, when one team has been substantially stronger than the other throughout the season, that team wins the game. And I, I think a lot of that is because, but. Almost because it's a rivalry game, because they're, there's no, they're both going to play hard. They're both going to play really, really hard, and so if if all that's equal, then the better team's usually going to win.
0: Ronnie, you've seen this rivalry up close and personal yourself. Uh, this Alabama team seems. I mean, listen, Nick, what Nick Saban's done is remarkable at Alabama, but this Alabama team even seems different from some of the ones he's. Had over the years. This one, I don't know if you can really specify a weakness other than the kicker.
2: Yeah, and that seems to be a, a recurring problem. <laughs> but uh, yeah. y- you know, the one thing Nick does, and I was talking to an agent about it the other day, and and he said, you know, Nick evolves, and that's one. You know, if you look at this offense now versus, you know, a few years ago, it's completely different, and uh, you know. Uh, Cotinos and, and Mike likely deserve a lot of credit for for, uh, for the job they've done running the offense. Um, and it's been really really impressive. Um, you got to give Nick credit for for being able to change when he needed to change.
1: You know, he's done that twice, really, Roddy. He did it when Lane Kiffin went there, and he he complained he complained about the up tempo offenses, and then when he, he didn't he didn't get that done, he's joined them at least part time. And uh and now I mean if you look around, I mean it that the NFL level and the college level has become such a quarterback game. I mean, his quarterbacks are so so talented and uh and he was willing to take advantage of that. And I, I agree with you. I think that's to I think that's to his credit and I think that's uh uh you better be able to adapt. If if you can't, you're gonna be in trouble. And he he, he has done that. Uh, Mayor Bryant did the same thing. He was able to adapt. He ran the wish. He threw the ball, then he ran the wishbone. And, uh, uh, but, uh, that's, I think that's crucial. And, and Saban obviously has done it better than anybody. And kind of lost in this is their defenses pitched two straight shutouts against SEC teams.
0: Yeah. They're I was, a pretty I was,
1: thing to beat.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, their offense is a little bit better than their defense now. I mean, their offense is top seven in the country in four of the five major categories recognized by the uh, NCAA. Their defense is top ten in four or five categories, uh major categories uh recognized by the NCAA. I mean, it's as good as it can get for a team, really. And this is a Alabama team that their closest game is a 22-point victory uh, against Texas A&M in a game that wasn't even really that close. Um, th- this team just looks invincible at times. Um, and yet, a- as Auburn's players have said, they're not afraid of them because they beat them last year. Obviously, it wasn't the exact same Alabama team, and they're going to be facing a uh, a better quarterback right now who's thrown 31 touchdowns against only two interceptions. But... Uh, when you know a lot of fans, Auburn fans, going into this game, and you can tell just on our message board and Twitter, social media, they, they kind of just have resigned themselves to the fact that Auburn's going to lose and that's that, and it might be a blowout. I, I would guess, Philip, and you've been around, when what, what other years have come have been about where people just knew what the result was going to be. For Auburn, whether it was win or lose, maybe during the Tuberville years, but 2012,
1: 2012, yeah. 2012, for sure. I don't think, uh, I really don't think during the Tuberville years, cause you know, he had, he won six straight until his last one. And, uh, and even though Alabama was clearly better that year, I still think Auburn people hung on to the hope that, well, they just don't think they can beat us. We've beaten them every year and then, and, uh, been trying to be the case of course it was 36 to nothing but uh, uh but before before that you know certainly during the uh, the previous years during Bryant's heyday there there were years when uh when it was obvious that Auburn just just couldn't match up but most of the time Auburn people have had hope even even maybe it was misplaced hope but they still had hope and and it's a, it's a little bit strange this year because it's you know this Auburn team is not without talent, and uh, and it's a team that could just extremely easily be be ten and one instead of seven and four. And uh, so I guess I'm a little bit surprised. There's not there's not more hope than there is, but this season just seems to have really really uh, done a number on the psyche of Auburn people. Even though, you know, there's been. I, in fact, I added up the other day. at last said. In the last twenty-eight Iron Bowls, Auburn's had four and more losses fourteen times going into the game. So it's not like it's a, a strange occurrence, but I think. But it all goes back to last year and and the way the season ended after the after the tremendous high of November and and then Alabama and Georgia getting in the game anyway, getting in the playoff anyway, and and then the loss to Tennessee this year. that, that was maybe as that was as damaging a loss uh, as I think I've seen in a long time. Uh, it, it was that one really because Tennessee, uh, a really played playing a really good game against Kentucky, notwithstanding Tennessee's not any good. And uh, as we saw last Saturday, but yeah. I, I uh, it's, it's, it's very unusual. It's, it's very unusual to, uh, to see it like it is now. I, I, I don't know that I've ever seen exactly the same circumstances.
0: It's almost like like,
1: 2012 was an awful team That had been proved by the time they got to Alabama that there was no way Auburn could win that game. Everybody
0: knew it. It's almost like Auburn fans just don't want to have hope after that Tennessee game now. Uh, Yeah. Because a lot of them are so frustrated with what's happening with coach Malzahn and, and, and the offense and everything. and, They've kind of just resided themselves to the, the fact that uh well Alabama's gonna steamroll us, then we'll go to a bowl game and oh, Gus Malzahn's one and four in bowl games, so who cares? Um they've checked out a little bit. Now I say that, then then kickoff will arrive Saturday and everybody be fully invested again. Um maybe at least until Alabama's up twenty one and nothing or something if that happens. But um it's been an interesting year, as you said, Philip, and uh, I, as we've, as we've mentioned on the podcast last week, uh, we're all expecting changes of some sort for Auburn staff uh, after the Iron Bowl. Uh, what's the latest you're hearing Philip and Ronnie on uh, what's going on uh, behind the scenes at Auburn and just what could potentially happen here in the next week or so?
1: Well, I don't think there's much doubt in anybody's mind that this, this will be Chip Quincy's last game. Uh whether whether of his own volition or not. I, I think that it's, it's, it's not hard to see that that, that's, that has been a, a less than ideal situation for most of this season. Uh, uh, you know, as, as I, I've, as I've written, my what I understand is that there's still uh decisions to be made about, about what's going to happen uh, with Gus. And uh, that's certainly not to say he won't be back. Uh, you know, we we all know what Gallon Green said and what Stephen Lee said, but I think that'll be a, something to watch next week as well. Yeah, I mean,
2: I've, uh, I've heard pretty much the same thing. I mean, I think that that uh, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think you know, one reason that the the, the fans are seeing some of the dysfunction uh, that uh, you know a lot of us kind of know about, but but maybe the general fan base doesn't, and there's a lot of internal dysfunction. Um, Starting starting between Gus Malzahn and and Chip Lindsey, and so uh, that shows up on the field. Um, and so it's going to be really really interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, you may even have a situation where Chip Lindsay is no longer with the football program as of as of uh, you know Sunday or Monday, but Malzahn's future may not be determined for a couple more days. So uh, it's it's really a uh, it's an interesting thing. It's going to be really really interesting to watch and see what happens.
1: It's, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, again, it's a strange situation to I them. Mean, I mean, I guess it depends on what you want to look at. I mean, uh, he's won an SEC championship and he's been to the championship game twice in five years and been to the Sugar Bowl once. And, uh, but right now fans are at least the ones I hear from and, and the post on our message board seem to be fixated on those four or more losses, uh, Uh, which I'm not sure is quite fair for last year, but other than that, it is. And uh, uh, whereas I think maybe if they felt more of a connection to Gus, uh, they might tend to look more at at the other side of it. But that's the if he's made one mistake in my mind in his six years of seasons at Auburn, it's it's not not ever really connecting with Auburn people and, and and uh. And and making them feel like making them feel like he wants to be one of them. And uh, well, well, Philip,
2: I think I think you're you're 100 right. And, I mean, if you look at Tommy Tommy Tompkins was around Auburn for what 10 years, and yeah. had four more losses seven times. Um, and so you know, but he connected with Auburn people, and he made people feel like uh, you know, they were welcome to be around and and that sort of thing. I mean, but Auburn also has a history of, you know the. the this is a place that fired Gene Chiswick two years after winning a national championship and, and uh, Terry Bowden won what 70 some odd percent of his games and he got fired. I mean, I was on the staff and I was in school in 2000, uh, I'm sorry, 1997, we won 10 games, uh, lost to Tennessee, um, uh, about one point in the SEC championship game and six games into the next season, we were all out of jobs. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a volatile, it's a volatile job. And, um, you know, uh, Anybody who takes the job uh, probably knows that.
1: Uh, uh, you well, know, I, I look back at, at 2003, uh, Ronnie, and and at that point, it was also Tumblervilles. It was his after his fifth year, and, and uh, he uh, yep. he had not accomplished nearly as much as Gus did in his first five years, and the. Led by the president, then-president William Walker. They were prepared to make a change and hired Bobby Petrino. And the word got out. And Auburn, Auburn people didn't feel like troubleville was being treated fairly. And they really, really liked him. And they just basically uh, rose up in protest and and really stopped it. They really did stop it. And nobody's going to
2: do that for Gus Malzahn right now. No, they're,
1: mean, not, no. Uh, they're not. They're <laughs> not. They're I think the only, that, the
0: only person that only person will stand up for Gus Malzahn is Christy Malzahn at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's really,
2: he's really done a disservice to himself, but you know, Auburn is a place it's, it's, it's every, every place has its quirks. And you really have to make a connection with Auburn people. And uh, like Philip said, he's, He's really failed to do that. And I think it's really, really hurt his chances of, of, of coming back next
0: year. You know how he could have fixed this? And I, uh, you know, we all have talked to Tommy Tuberville. I remember having a conversation with Tommy Tuberville a year or so ago at Byron's Smokehouse. And the thing that could have fixed most of this is if Gus just simply, for example, went to Byron's Smokehouse and ate breakfast once yeah. a week. Yep. You know, go go there yeah. and interact with fans, shake hands. Glad hand, say hi to people, see how they're doing. Do that once a week. Spend an hour of your day going to go eat breakfast at Byron's Smokehouse or anywhere, and you would endear yourself so much more. But he's kind of this different breed, new breed of coach that doesn't want to deal with that. And he's always been like that. And listen, uh, I've mentioned this before. Gus Malzon has never dealt with like complete failure ever in his life. I mean, he has one losing season in his entire high school or coach and college coaching career, and that happened in his first year as a high school coach. So he doesn't know what it's like when everybody's really against you, and he hasn't felt that until he was here at Auburn, and I think it's probably too late for him to adjust because I think he tried to pivot this summer and be more outgoing and doing stuff with the media and things like that, but he didn't do it with the fans, and he's cut himself off from the fan base a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's well,
2: I, what's, think, I, I think part of what's happened is, is in not only on the field, but off. I mean, Nick Saban doesn't have to be nice, um, because he's winning national championships. But you know, Malzan has failed to adapt on the field and off. And I, I think it, that that it shows, uh, it shows in his record and it shows in, in the space that, that that he finds himself right now. Yeah, you know, I
1: don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's hard. You can't be inside somebody's head, but I mean, Gus Malzahn is a good guy. He's a good guy. And, uh, in the right setting, he's an engaging guy. At least I think so, but he never lets the fans see that he goes to speak in engagement and engagement and, and sends his piece and gets out the back door as fast as he can. And, uh, it's hurting. You get to a point you need friends and you look around, you don't, you don't have any.
0: Well, the Iron Bowl is Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS. It is going to be an interesting week, an interesting month heading into the bowl game. We're all expecting staff changes of some sort. At the very least, Chip Lindsey stepping away himself or uh, being forced out. And then, of course, maybe things aren't done with Gus Malzahn. Uh, just keep it keep it on auburnundercover.com as everybody knows, this is Auburn. Anything's possible.
1: <laughs> yeah. I want to be very clear about myself. Now I've never said and I'm not saying that Gus, Gus won't be back. I think there's a a very good chance he'll be back, but I just don't. I, I think that if I was him, if I was Gus, and of course this huge buyout plays into everything. uh, But the Gus, I, you know, the Gus, I know that, that, uh, that decided it was time to get out of there in 2011 and got out and took a $500,000 pay cut, to go to Arkansas state uh, would, would probably look around at the situation that I'm going to go find me another job, but the buyout kind of changes everything. So I, I well, it's going well, to be I mean, interesting.
2: Another thing that changes things a little bit is that, that uh, there aren't a lot of jobs that are going to be open this year. Um, you know, you look around in North Carolina might open uh little open. Um, usC might open that which he couldn't get uh there just aren't a lot of jobs out there that are going to be open that, that Colorado you know, unless is he open. took a, Colorado's open um you know but i'm just not i don't think he can get any of that I, i'm not sure he can get any of those jobs so uh the question the question is if he's willing to take a, a much lesser job uh making a lot less money um you know uh, i guess that option is there but I think probably the best thing for him to do would be to go in and, you know, if, if he's, if he's miserable, like he was before, then he probably ought to go in and negotiate a buyout and walk out the door.
0: His time yeah. to leave was
2: last I think year.
3: Did. Sorry about that guys. I think he could probably get the Colorado job if he really wanted it, right? Um, I,
2: I don't, but I could be wrong. <laughs> um,
0: you, know, you don't just, see, just, just you don't see Gus there. Malzahn up in the mountains and mile high and, Getting skiing. along with everybody and skiing and having a grand old time.
3: Yeah,
2: maybe Keith knows something. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I,
3: no, don't I don't know anything. I'm just looking at the landscape of the Pac 12 and saying, you know, if you're Colorado, you've got a couple options. You get a guy on uh, in his last run who's been successful somewhere else, or you try to get a young up and comer. And they've tried both before. And unfortunately for Colorado, there's, there's really only been one guy that's won there in my lifetime with any consistency, and that was Bill McCartney. But so, you know, I, I, you look at that job, you think, okay, Gus Malzahn, are they going to get a guy that's better credentialed than Gus Malzahn that's still relatively young? And I wouldn't think so. And then you think, well, his kind of offense is probably like more suited for that, that out there. than the one he's in.
1: You know what this reminds me of Bill Curry at Alabama in 1989 yeah. went into the, went into the iron bowl, d n o And, uh, Lost the Iron Bowl and lost Miami in the Sugar Bowl, but uh, uh, but Alabama fans had checked out on him, and they didn't want him back. And, and and whether he would have been fired or not, I don't know. I believe he would have, uh, but he ended up leaving Alabama and going and announced he was leaving Alabama to take a job at Kentucky, which that, that very clearly is not something that you do. And uh, this is a very, very similar situation to that. And that uh, when you, when you lose, when you lose the, uh, the, the support that you need, it's, it's very difficult to, to, uh, to put it back together. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very difficult.
0: Keith, I'm wondering, considering all this talk and even with Chip Lindsay. How does this affect things with the biggest recruit out there right now in Mr. Kelly Bryant, who is officially visiting Auburn next week?
3: Well, I got to tell you, I don't think so far it's, it's had much of an impact because Gus Malzahn has really taken the reins on that recruitment in particular. In fact, when Kelly Bryant, the former Clemson quarterback, when he visited Auburn a few weeks ago, uh, He spent most of his time with Gus Malzahn and not nearly as much time with Chip Lindsey. So, you know, he's going to be in there sometime next week or next weekend. As of last night, that was, excuse me, as of Tuesday night, I should point out, uh, that was still to be determined. Um, You know, Auburn may want it by next weekend because by next weekend, there's probably going to be some resolution. You're going to know at least partially where things are headed at the offensive coordinator position. Is Chip Lindsey gone like, like, you know, people think? Uh, and already, you know, quite frankly, Auburn may have a new O.C. in place next week if Chip's not there. So, so uh, you know, that could benefit. Now, right now, Kelly's looking at the school. You know, there's some debate. Is he an NFL caliber quarterback? You know, it's not for me to determine. But he wants to put, get the best shot of getting to the NFL. So he's looking at these schools and he's saying, OK, at North Carolina, Mitch Trubisky uh, was was uh, developed there. At Missouri, Derek Dooley, believe it or not, has done a good job with Drew Locke, and so he's looking at who's going to be the best guy for me. Um, and so it, it's too early to say. You know, again, Gus has handled this and probably smartly so, knowing that you know Chip situation. And then once they figure out who the off- if Chip is gone, I got to keep throwing that caveat in. Once it's determined if he's gone, who the replacement is going to be, uh, it's going to be have to be quick for. Probably for Kelly Robinson's peak of mind because he's going to announce December fourth. But I think, and I think Ronnie's heard the same thing. Missouri and North Carolina uh, and Mississippi State are the other teams involved. A lot of people think Missouri may be the team to beat. Some people think North Carolina may be the team to beat. So Auburn's going to have to have a really good visit with Kelly and his parents next week. But also, he wants to know who that OC's going to be, who's going to develop me and get me to the next level. And if that speculation about Hugh Freeze is is, is comes, yeah, that's probably. We'll
2: have to see. Yeah, I've I've heard that. Um, you know, I, I talked to several coaches, and everybody seems to think that that Auburn is in it. You know, pretty, pretty significantly. I mean, uh, nobody would be surprised if the kid ends up at Auburn. Um, you know, North Carolina feels feels really good. So does Arkansas, by the way. Um, but uh, both those places would not be surprised if he ends up at Auburn.
3: Well, it's my information. Arkansas is pretty much not really. Uh, is relevant in this as people thought. In fact, uh, people connected to Missouri feel that way. People in Auburn feel that way. So it, it's interesting. I, I think Auburn's got a shot, but they really there's so much to be determined at Auburn. So how could how could any of us connect him to Auburn right now, not even knowing who the coordinator is going to be?
1: Oh, if he goes to Arkansas, he needs they, they, they to make sure he doesn't uh, doesn't flirt with any dance team members from some other team.
3: I think, and I know, yeah, I think Arkansas, again, I I, I keep hearing that they're probably not in it, that proximity is really going to hurt them. And that's a little bit of a surprise to people because his relationship with the head coach (coughs) recruited him to Clemson, but it really looks like they're on the outside looking in right now.
1: Well, they're so bad that 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 would have to give you a little bit of pause. They're just, they just really don't have many players.
3: Well, people say, why would he be looking at North Carolina? They're bad, but you know, Ronnie follows that program closely. They've had a lot of close games Again, they did develop, they did have some success, great success with, with uh, Mitch Trubisky, who was the number two overall pick in the 2017 draft. And they're telling him, look, you know, all the guys on the team, you're from the Carolinas, you're the missing piece to us winning two games instead of eight or nine. So he's buying into that. You know, Again, Missouri, he's looking at that situation and saying, you know, Derek Dooley only had one year to work with Drew Locke and Drew Locke has had an outstanding season. And if that's the case, I could come in and I could maybe pick this thing up in a year. Of course, there's been some suggestion. I think Ronnie's heard this too, that maybe Derek Dooley, that some NFL teams may be looking at him. And then you have Mississippi State, which loses Nick Fitzgerald. And Kelly Bryan is a guy that runs maybe not quite as hard as Nick Fitzgerald, but certainly can get more yards on the ground. And then, quite frankly, he's probably more of an accurate passer than Nick Fitzgerald. And he's really bonded with the players there. So I think those three programs in Auburn probably have the best – Best case right now. Uh, you know, uh, one funny thing, he was going to visit oh, Miami this uh, next weekend. He was going to officially visit Miami and he canceled that visit instead to visit Auburn for a second time with his parents. But uh, over at Mississippi State, they were under the impression that Auburn was sort of out of it, that he wasn't even going to visit Auburn again. And I think they were surprised that uh, not only was he going to visit Auburn again, but that was going to be an official visit and the Miami visit was off. So maybe Auburn undercover is in this more than people. More than people think, but uh, again, I think those are the four teams to really focus on. Missouri's a real dark horse here, real dark horse.
0: Uh, quick, quickly, basketball. You went and saw Turbo Jones, uh, Keith, on Wednesday for his signing ceremony. Uh, what kind of kid is Auburn getting on the basketball yeah, court?
3: I mean- yeah, uh, Terrell Turbo Jones, a six foot one point guard. He's listed as a combo guard, uh, but he's a point guard. Make no mistake about that. Sixteen points, eight uh, eight assists a game for Orlando West Oaks Academy. Uh, you know, and I grew up down in Florida, and back in the day, twenty five years ago, the public schools had all the talent. But that's that's really no longer the case in anywhere in the country. Uh, Orlando West Oaks Academy is a school that is putting guys in the NBA, putting guys major colleges. In fact, St. John's, who did they played the other night? Uh, St. John's played somebody, and there was a guy from West Oaks on both teams. So it's a, it's a great program. Uh, he's got close to, uh, right around a 3.0 GPA. Uh, nobody had anything but praise to say about him. And, and also, well, I should point out, because West Oaks Academy does not play the Florida High School Athletic Association, playing play in a separate association, they can play basically a much deeper schedule a larger schedule they can play anybody they want and uh they can go out and kind of get guys and he's from Tallahassee he's not from Orlando so he left home essentially to to go play at this school and uh and uh so he's a mature guy in other words he's already left home he's to get to auburn and and be shell shocked by the kids getting away to college like like the four of us were uh, you know he's already done that and uh very popular kid uh, very Bruce Pearl is going to get a lot of credit here and he should, but the guy that that you all know, well, I know, I know Philip and Brandon, uh, coach Flanagan really deserves a lot of credit. Where where was he at before? Uh, Arkansas Little Rock, correct? He was
0: the head coach there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. When he was at that school, he was one of the first people to recruit this young man when he played at Tallahassee Leon high school, um, which is one of the oldest high schools in the South. And so he built that relationship early. And when he ended up at Auburn, When Coach Flanagan ended up at Auburn, they already had that uh, relationship, and that really opened the door for Bruce Pearl to then come in. He told me today, he said, "Look, Auburn really wasn't recruiting me that hard till Coach Flanagan got there. He got there, he was excited to be at Auburn. I was excited he was at Auburn, and then things kind of fell in place." And you know, guys, as well as Jared Harper's playing, you know, (laughs) is he going to be on the team next year? And this is a young guy that can come in, probably play in year one. He's he's a level-headed guy. I can tell you that. Now, is he going to be as good as Jared Harper? No, but. Uh, at least not right away. But the hope is that uh, down the road he's going to be a high level. He's highly confident, and the coaches at his school think he's in that uh, the same mold as a Jared Harper. We'll see.
0: And the Auburn basketball team, as we're recording this, they haven't played their final game in the Maui Invitational against Arizona yet. Uh, they 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 played Duke very tough. They were they did not quit in that game despite starting slow in the first and second halves. Jared Harper was just absolutely on fire. Uh, in the second half, hitting five three pointers, and Auburn lost that game seventy-eight to seventy-two. And as we're recording this, the final, uh, the championship game is going on at the Maui Invitational. Gonzaga it has a double-digit lead on Duke right now, and has been lead- leading by double digits for most of the game. Duke's trying to make a comeback, so who's who knows what's going to happen? But uh, Philip, th- this Auburn team is something special this year.
1: Oh. I believe it is. You know, I, I, I was interested to hear Bruce after the game last night. And, uh, and while he expressed pride that they obviously never gave up the fight, he wasn't happy. He thought they, he really thought they should have won. And, uh, uh, and I do believe this team is something special. And, uh, uh, and, you know, last night I think was the first time or Thursday, Thursday night, Tuesday night was the first time that, uh, Austin Wiley has really asserted himself. And if he, if he continues to do that in combination with, with Bryce Brown and, and, and Harper at the guards and with Chumo Kiki, who is probably the, the best NBA prospect they have, maybe, uh, they're going to be really hard to deal with. And they'll be even harder to deal with when they get Daniel Purifoy back and he gets kind of re-acclimated to things.
3: If I could say something, guys, it's not just that you guys are the basketball groups here, but it's not just that they have talent. It's now they have experience against an elite team. I, and I read somewhere Duke, when they played Gonzaga in the championship of the Maui event, that was their third top 10 opponent already this year. So they have that experience. Not only does Duke have great players, but they're so used to playing against that level of competition. Now, these Auburn kids played against the high level competition in high school at the AU level, but not like this. So they're only going to benefit from playing these types of games. Arizona, that's another program that is used to playing in five to 10 elite type games each year. So just Auburn playing Arizona, that's going to benefit them in the long run. It's not always about talent. It's about knowing that you belong, having the experience against those great teams. And it's going to be fun to watch them progress.
1: Yeah. One of the interesting things about college basketball is that these kinds of games, they do nothing to hurt you uh, whether you win or not. They, they do nothing to hurt you. They, they, they only help you. And, uh, and I think Bruce is very smart. That this is, you know, he's always scheduled tough, but he's scheduled significantly tougher this year. Uh, obviously because he thought he had, he had the team that could handle it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, we'll obviously know more, you guys, by the time some of you listen to this. The Arizona-Auburn game will be final. Uh, and Bruce Pearl made no secret, even before they went down there, that He wants to be 2-1 and heading back home to the mainland. And uh, to do that, they've got to beat Arizona tonight, uh, which should be an entertaining game. Considering how Arizona played Gonzaga in the first half Tuesday night, now Gonzaga is uh, whipping up on Duke, at least at this moment. Uh, Quite surprising result right now. Maybe Duke's tired from last night. Who knows? Um, But uh, this basketball team will come back home. They play three straight home games, and then they'll go to UAB on December 15th, and that's when Daniel Purifoy will be eligible and to make his return to the lineup somehow, some way off the bench, I'm sure. And, uh, I would think, you know, Austin Wiley's not in the starting lineup right now, but he will be probably at that point.
1: I, I would think, yeah. Um,
0: and as you said, Philip, Wiley was pretty good last night, Tuesday night. He had 17 points, nine rebounds, uh, did pretty well defensively. You know, hit the one knack on him has been foul trouble. He didn't get in foul trouble uh, against Duke. Um, Found his lanes, did a good job slipping screens against Xavier and also Duke uh, to get open in in the paint. And I really like this Auburn team, the way they play together. The one thing, their one weakness right now, at least early, early in the season, is bench production. They've got to get points off the bench.
1: Yeah, yeah, Bruce has talked about that a lot, and uh. I think Samir Dowdy is one guy that, that needs to play better than, than what he's been playing for sure. And uh, uh, but they do need that. And and that pure point return should help that too. And uh though it was, you know, it's not realistic to think he's going to jump out there and be, be, be a hundred percent right out of the gate. But uh, uh they got, I think, a chance to do a lot of really special things.
0: Ronnie, uh, I want to end this podcast just kind of checking with you about what, what's going on nationally uh, behind the scenes with all these college football jobs and also just uh, college football in general and kind of what we've learned this season at multiple programs across the country.
2: Well, um, I think right now people are watching USC and North Carolina. Um You know, I heard a couple of weeks ago that North Carolina was probably safe. They were going to make some changes staff wise. But, uh, you know, the last couple of days, it seemed like that, uh, you know, that may not be the case, that Larry Fedor may may not make it. Uh, I think his future is still to be determined. Uh, Same thing with Kim Helton at uh, at USC. You know, if neither one of those jobs open, they're just not going to be a lot this year. Uh, You've got a new athletic director at, at Vanderbilt. Uh, so nobody really knows what's gonna happen with Derek Mason. Um if they get to a bowl game, I just can't imagine them firing him. Um but it, it's 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 a, it's a slow year. Last year was a huge year. Um, you know, at Louisville, you it looks like they're gonna try to hire Jeff Brom at Purdue. Um, a name that has has popped up for his uh, it may have been Keith that told me that's a name that's popped up that I've heard a couple of times now is Mel Tucker uh up at Purdue. So um but they'll they'll that's a better job than it was. They've invested in facilities and that sort of thing. So, but again, not a lot going on in on the coaching front.
0: Interesting times. If something happened at Auburn. Um, that would probably be the biggest job opening there is. I would say. Yeah. I mean, if,
2: if, if USC were to open, it'd be, you know, Auburn, and, Auburn and USC, right. but uh, if no USC, Auburn by far would be the biggest job open. Uh, and look, you know, there, there are some interesting names out there. Where would Auburn go? Uh you know, you've got an A D who's new. Nobody really knows uh where he would go. Uh Philip could speak to this more than I could, but I'm assuming that, that uh Alan Green's gonna have If if Malzon is, is let go, I'm assuming that Alan Green's gonna have uh, uh he's gonna run the search and uh, this this is not
1: the days of Bobby Louder. Uh I, I would mean, assume he, that. I don't know, but I would assume that.
0: You would ha- you yep. would have to. You can't. I, well, at least it makes sense. I mean, you can't, I mean, he, he came in, he, you know, this is Auburn. He came in, he inherited, uh, the, the coaching situation. If they're going to make a change, you let the new AD handle things, but you know, who knows? Like, like you guys said, I, I'm of the belief that Gus Malzahn is going to be here next season, but anything can happen. Who knows? Um, and I didn't believe that this morning, <laughs> but, uh, it's just things are always strange and it's not going to be boring here uh, over the next month. We'll have you covered at auburnundercover.com, not just with the Iron Bowl and football and Gus on Chip Lindsey and uh, everything going on there with players. Of course, the basketball program, the team as they ramp up toward a SEC conference uh, schedule. Of course, that's still a month away, but they've got some big non-conference games actually still left UAB, NC state, and of course, Arizona, which, will be over with by the time some of you listen to this and then recruiting Kelly Bryant, making his decision, I believe on December 4th, sometime in early December. Will that quarterback come to Auburn and help save uh, this offense for Auburn? Uh, Cause it certainly looks like Jared Stidham is on his way out as Auburn's quarterback. So, so much to cover so much to go over and we will be on top of it at auburnundercover.com. Thanks for joining us this week on the Auburn Undercover Roundtable.